Welcome to Seeking Scripture Deep Diving Bible Study. I'm Christy Jordan, and I want to help you develop a firsthand relationship with the whole Word of God. For links and graphics mentioned in my podcast, please visit the corresponding post on SeekingScripture.com. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. Good morning, siblings. Today's readings are Revelation chapters 4 through 8. Rabbit trails from Christy's sister, Patty. That would be my sister, Patty. She is calling these Patty Rat's Revelations. Um, Her nickname, making the title flow just right, that was her childhood nickname. She was Patty Rat. Still is. (laughs) So here are Patty's rabbit trails. This starts right off with a shofar talking to the author and showing him a game plan. In my mind, this is highly significant because the shofar is symbolic and signaling to us in times of trouble and triumph. It's used to signal the beginning and the end, and now it's physically talking to John. And not just signaling a warning, but filling in the gaps and giving a game plan. Before, shofars were used in battle to signal what to do, but now it's actually forming the game plan. I already get goosebumps when I hear a shofar, and that meaning just doubled it for me. So here we are with a door opened that reveals what's going to happen. John is on a prison island. He is suffering persecution as he writes this. We are not going to be without our trials either. Revelation 4, 3. I'm thinking these stones are symbolic for so many things. It would take days to research. Right off the bat, I see they are nameless and faceless, but authentic. The thrones would have been breathtaking, I'm sure, and many people would embrace the throne and stop there. Another thing is that there are 24 thrones and 12 tribes, but everywhere else you see sevens and multiples of sevens. I think thrones somehow stand for the tribes. In Revelation 21.21, we will also read that there are 12 gates to the kingdom of heaven. Revelation 4.6 The sea of glass separated him from the throne, and the four animals guarding it had eyes in the front and back. No one can successfully navigate and overthrow those thrones. Not happening. Those are uncharted waters that clearly show us everything to expect, meaning that nothing is hidden in the glass. Huge show of force and grandeur here. You can clearly see there's no getting over the crystal glass waters unless you are wanted. I wonder if it was a sea of glass like a sheet or piece of glass. Either way, it would be very overwhelming, but peaceful, not scary like swamp water would be. Revelation 4-7, in our world, the lion would kill a calf and the eagle would eat the remains. The cow sits between two things that would eat him, and the creature with the face of a man is vulnerable to all. Hmm, vulnerable but powerful all at the same time. I find this interesting, and it also helps me remember these passages. The lion is wild and rules the land. The eagle is free and rules the air. Revelation 5, 1-4, the scroll was right before them, but they couldn't read it. Very symbolic, like this book. Revelations is right before our eyes in this study, but we aren't really equipped to fully understand it. The scrolls has seven seals. The menorah has seven branches. Everything points back to the seven spirits of God. Revelation 1, 4, 
Revelation 3.1, Revelation 4.5, and Revelation 5.6. And Yeshua being the light in the midst. Revelation 5.8, the prayers of the set-apart ones are in bowls filled with incense. They are heard and collected. Not all answered, though, because they're in a bowl filled with incense, so to me that looks like they are being meditated on. There are several religions that have bowls of incense used during meditative prayer. Please note, I'm not suggesting we do that. On the contrary, we need to be careful in doing this for precisely that reason. We don't want to mix unholy practices from other faiths in with our own syncretism, and Yahweh has not told us to do this. He isn't sitting around just waiting on someone to revolutionize Christianity. He already did that. He's just waiting on us to do what he said. Come see on the first four seals. The fifth seal was watched by the martyrs. Perhaps the creatures were each guarding a seal, and the rest of the seals didn't need close guarding? But still, we can't see what's in the scroll until all the seals are broken. I think that's like the book of Revelations. We can't see what all it means until everything is in motion. This is still not the end. The breaking of the seals signals the preparation for the end, but it's not the end. This is all to help us understand what we will be witnessing. Notice, not one person has been raptured and pulled up at this point, and the martyrs are told to get more rest because their group isn't complete. Revelation six eleven. We aren't escaping this mess. The martyrs are not yet completed. Revelation 6.13 That takes a lot of force to shake figs that aren't ripe off of a fig tree. Revelation 6.16 Yet another repeat of, quote, Old Testament, Hosea 10.8 I mean, this stuff is prophesied all through the Bible. Going back to the rapture theory here, I hear so many people say, We won't have to suffer all that because God will scoop us up. When you read Revelation 7-3, that kind of makes you think that and give you some comfort in that theory, but then there's Revelation 7-14 and Revelation 7-16. They're coming out of great distress and will hunger and thirst no more, and the sun won't strike them with heat. Then he quotes Isaiah. I like to say his Hebrew name because it sounds so cool. Yeshayahu. Isaiah 25-8. Check that out and then check out Revelation 7-17. There are a few other books thrown in this verse that people of that time would have understood because they would have known both the Torah and the Tanakh, Jeremiah 2.13 and 17.13. We need to read the prophecy they were reading in order to understand Revelations. Revelation 7.3. This reminds me of mass casualty training. In those incidents, we actually write on people's foreheads if they're viable. We have levels of viability. We triage and treat the ones that are more viable. I think we have a lot of people that are dead in word and deeds and aren't too viable in today's world. In mass casualty situations, if people are too complex or difficult to treat, we leave them for dead. We only save those that are savable. I wonder if this is symbolic of God's triage during these times. Ezekiel 9 goes more in depth on this about people having marks on their forehead. I think that is a very important tie-in to read. Revelation 7-4. Oh my goodness. So many religions think they have the 144,000. 
Right here, it states from all the tribes of the children of Israel, not from one religion or denomination, not from one church, from all the tribes. I once had a representative from a religion visit me. They stated that the 144,000 was part of their religion and all had been selected by their authorities. I asked who represented which tribe and could I see pictures to see how different they looked. Blank stare. Many other of my innocent questions I had that day has blacklisted me from the list of houses they visit. I see them skip right by my house now. I feel so left out. Christy's note. Welcome to Patty's Humor. Starting in verse 4, it lists tribes. It does leave some out. Very interesting. Revelation 7, 8. Hold up. The tribe of Joseph? That covers Manasseh and Ephraim. It specifically mentions tribe of Joseph. Is this a double portion? Joseph isn't a tribe as Manasseh and Ephraim took his place and portion. There's tribes missing here. Where's the tribe of Dan? Numbers is one of my least favorite books to read. Numbers chapter 1 is one of my least favorite chapters. My ADD can't take it, but this proves how important it is to hear and listen to the whole word. Here's a list of the tribes. Manasseh, Ephraim, Benjamin, Asher, Dan, Naphtali, Issachar, Judah, Judah, sorry, Zebulon, Simeon, Reuben, and Gad. In Revelation 8, there are tribes missing and aren't listed as having 12,000 sealed. I don't know why. I'm just throwing that out there. This might not sound huge to you, but if you were in the tribe of Dan, it would be because you didn't make that list. Is Joseph standing in for Ephraim because we're so lost? Many people see the lost tribe of Ephraim as representing the Gentiles as they became so scattered throughout the earth. I'm of that thought as well, so that is where my perspective is coming from. We don't have to agree, of course, but I wanted to disclose that. Joseph gave Ephraim the blessing and made us a tribe as well as Manasseh, but Ephraim lost their way. They assimilated, but they're waking back up. Is Joseph stepping up to receive our portion and guide us back in? Are we receiving another blessing? Genealogy can trace many people's roots to other tribes. But only spirituality can trace you to Ephraim. Revelation 8.1 starts off with a deafening silence. I can't be silent for half a minute. Silence is uncomfortable. That's why we have filler words like um and uh, because people feel uncomfortable in silence. There's actually an interrogation technique where you ask a question and then go silent. People will sing like a bird and confess because the silence is so uncomfortable. Can you imagine half an hour of silence in heaven? I'd be the one whispering, what's happening? What's going on? Somebody tell me something. (laughs) Christy's note. I can't stop laughing because this is so true. She absolutely would. That seventh seal was never verbalized as as to what exactly it was. What did they see? Did they just know what to do? I have a million questions here. The seven seals and the seven trumpets both signal the ending. Revelation 8.3. I'm seeing the incense again. Meditative prayer is what always comes to mind. That is deep, meaningful prayer. I'm lacking in that area lately. Christy's note. (laughs) I'm always careful when I write about stuff like this because so many are easily led away from the faith through doors labeled meditation. But I absolutely agree with Patty's point. We just need to be careful to remain pure in our faith and trust in Yahweh. And now back to Patty. 
I know I've already said this, but feel I should say it again. This vision was not meant to lay out the future and tell us what will happen. It was meant for us to listen to it so that when it happens, we will have that aha moment and an understanding. Chapter 8 confirms this to me. I'll go deeper and explain why, but not too deep because Christy is rushing me. When the seventh seal is broken, it allows the sounding of the trumpets. Maybe the seventh seal didn't have anything written at all. Maybe it's the trumpets that are more significant here, not the seal at all. There's a ton of sevens in this chapter and lots of mentions of the trumpets. I think the seventh seal could have been assigned to the messengers to let the show begin. The trumpets, a.k.a. shofars, are an instrument of war. Something else to consider. What was the one thing Satan knew better than anybody else? The whole word of the Bible. He sparred with the word on the mountain with Yeshua himself. Satan knows these visions better than us. Will he try to trick us and create some of these prophecies? Will he hijack these visions and make us think they're happening? That's why we need to know all the word, because there is a timeline and many other things should be happening to usher in these visions. We're about to hear all about the synagogue of Satan. Brace yourselves. Revelation 8, 6. Wow, they were given the trumpets. They had to prepare. These trumpets appear to be war weapons. It reminds me of the bagpipes used by the Scots. As each shofar is blown, war is unleashed in this chapter. It really makes me wonder how much evil I have driven away from my house by blowing my shofar and crying out to the Father in prayer. Prayer is the key there, y'all. Revelation 8-7, fire, my worst fear. So right off the bat, we lose a third of the earth to fire. It mentions trees and grass specifically. I'm sure the oxygen supply was compromised. Imagine the desperation of a third of the earth burning. That sounds terrifying. Before we even get to Revelation 8-11, we have lost a third of the earth A third of the sea creatures, rivers, and springs are compromised. Woo! Food, water, shelter, gone. Now, to a rabbit trail. Wormwood. This is an oil produced from the plant which is used to rid the intestines of worms. Not a pleasant way to work yourself. It's bitter. I have used a supplement with wormwood for my dog before. It's very effective in cleaning out the old intestines. I couldn't imagine the agony of being thirsty and water tainted with wormwood being my only option. That's painful. Drinking that water would ultimately dehydrate you, and painfully so. Revelation 8.12 Then, darkness, which also means it will be cold. Revelation 8.13 An eagle is an optimistic predator, a bird of prey, a scavenger who would normally snack on us if we're dead. A scavenger feel sorry for us. Wow. That's pretty bad considering his food supply was greatly disrupted and his trees were burned, leaving him very little limited areas to rest. As I'm reading these chapters, I feel the horror of what is being described. This is sobering stuff, but we are living in sobering times. Test everything. Hold tight to what is good. 1 Thessalonians 5, 21. We are saved by grace alone. Obedience is not the root of our salvation, but it is the fruit. May Yahweh bless the reading of His Word. I love y'all. Bye-bye.